Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, we are live once again. Thank you for sticking with us. Went from one sort of post-show to another because the third event in an eight-day stretch for the UFC in Jacksonville, Florida has come to an end and it was capped off with a huge win for the legend and veteran Alistair Overeem over Walt Harris. And we are recapping it all right here live on MMAfighting.com. Hello there, everybody. Once again, I am Mike Heck and welcome to the official UFC on ESPN 8 virtual post-fight show 2.0, I guess. Thank you all for joining us to recap another wild event in the Sunshine State. Of course, I do not do this alone. I'm being joined by Alexander K. Lee and E. Casey Lydon, and of course, all of you. And I know you guys want to talk fights. We're seeing your comments from the last stream that we did. So feel free to jump in with your comments, your questions, your reactions, everything we saw here tonight. Alex, we're going to start with you. Main event of the evening, Alistair Overeem takes on Walt Harris. He was hurt really badly early on in that fight. Alistair Overeem, thanks to the to, to the great refereeing from Dan Mergliata, let him stick around. He made the most of it, got the momentum switch at the end of that first round, and then he got it done in the second round with a vicious head kick, finished the fight. Dan Mergliata did the same thing for Walt Harris, sort of gave him a chance to recover, but in the end, he had to stop the fight. Huge win for Alistair Overeem, a heartbreaking loss for Walt Harris. Your reaction to the way this night ended? Uh, well, first I'll say uh, I'm glad that we are now doing the proper post-fight show. We, before we were interspersing the uh, post-fight interviews with Alistair Overeem and Dana White and Claudia Gadelia. Uh, so no people, no more having to wait for Alistair Overeem to get off the pooper. It is just <laughs> us. It is. It is just a. That's a callback for anyone who uh, didn't watch the. Uh, check out that stream later. Check out the post uh, post-fight interview stream later. Anyway, uh, it was a, it was a thrilling main event. You know, it was under. You, the most unique circumstance you can have. Uh, I mean, I know it's the third card we're having this week with no audience, but that no audience thing is for, for a big main event is still, it's going to take some getting used to. I mean, I know that cards could be for the next, for the next little while, but still strange. And then of course the, uh, the Anaya Blanchard uh, tragedy, that story hanging over this whole, uh, this fight week, hangover Walt Harris's fight booking. Um, but both guys, you know, did a great job with the media this week. Alistair Overeem is one of the reasons I think why he was, uh, you know, I'm, I know they were booked to fight before, but why he was the right opponent for this. Such a constant professional guy who's seen it all. Um, and the fight itself was really spectacular. You know, Walt Harris looks great. You know, he, he's the kind of guy who on any given day, we always say he looks like a guy who's a contender. And sure enough, the first two minutes, 30 seconds of this fight absolutely looked like a contender. Looked like he was going to put away Alistair Overeem in the first round. Slipped up, made just a little error with the striking, slipped up, and uh, Alistair, great grappler, got a hold of him. And that was pretty much the beginning of the end there. Uh, Waltz never really recovered. And then in the second round, it was all one-way track for Overeem. And uh, like you said, uh, Big Dan gave all the chance, gave uh, Walt Harris all the chance to recover, as he did Alistair, and uh, it just never happened. So, uh, you know, we got to stop it. Somewhat anticlimactic end to the fight, some might say, but uh, it's the right call. Casey, you had mentioned this on the last stream that we did, and I'm going to steal your shine right now like it was my idea, but it wasn't. We'd be having a much different conversation if Dan Mergliata stopped the fight in the first round. And had he stopped the fight in the first round when Harris was landing those big shots and Overeem is all busted up, we would be celebrating Walt Harris. We wouldn't have complained about an early stoppage at all. We would have said it was the right stop. We'd probably still praising Dan for stopping the fight when he did. So 
kind of an interesting way that MMA fans look at things. But your thoughts on Overeem's performance, sort of a, a turn back the clock performance for him? Oh, it's um, it's just uh, I, I think I, I think actually uh, Felder or Bisbing kind of said it actually very well as in, in describing um, Overeem and how he's a chameleon and in the sense that he's keeps he keeps changing the type of fighter he is. And before he was known as this, you know, the Uberim, this just legendary striker, but he was a bit chinny. But no, he's a guy, he can take a big punch. He took a beat and he was so controlled on the ground. And um, it's one of those things where I really think experience won over him this fight. He wasn't, he wasn't necessarily the better fighter, but the experience, all those years of experience, being able to take that beating, being able to shield those punches, and of course, Dan Migliata, um, giving Overeem enough respect has a A-level fighter to work his way out. And Walt Harris, unfortunately, started strong, but he he kind of um, um, Shane Carwin, um, it, in a sense, when Shane Carwin fought Brock Lesnar, I kind of had that kind of feeling where you're like, oh, you can stop the fight right now. It'll be totally fine. And you saw when they got up, Walt was breathing very heavy. Overeem busted up, but he had the cuts in the right spots where, you know, the doctor wasn't going to stop it. And second round, you know, we all saw it. Overeem just had more weapons and that eventually won him to fight. And um, that's the difference between Alistair Overeem and Walt Harris right now. You know, it's just that's a championship level fighter guy who's continually always at the top and a guy working his way up. And um, these, this is just, uh, unfortunately, the timing sucks for Walt Harris, but uh, it's, it's just a learning lesson in MMA. Interesting spot for Alistair Overeem heading into this fight, of course. Like you just mentioned, the the tragedy and everything that happened with Walt Harris and his family and the, the tragic passing of his stepdaughter, the, the the violent crime and the murder. It was just, it's just a heartbreaking story. And, you know, it was the, the big storyline heading into the fight. No doubt about that. But Alistair Overeem, maybe for the first time in his entire career, was almost like a, an afterthought heading into a into a main event fight no one was really talking about him heading in and he comes out and delivers a big performance and you know you know alex we we, we don't let, let these fighters savor the flavor of a win for too long we like to look at what's next and this guy's fought almost everybody in the heavyweight division so let's uh let's put the matchmaker hat on sir let's give a little bit of a tease a little bit of a preview of the on to the next one column which will be dropping on monday if you are the ufc brass if you are the matchmakers right now Alistair Overeem v. Blank. Who fills that spot? Gosh, there's a lot of good matchups there. Um, you know, and everything's kind of in flux, like I said, with the cars. You know, some some previously booked matchups might not happen again. Uh, I kind of like possibly Alexander Volkov or, and I can't believe these two guys haven't fought before, unless I'm, unless I'm looking at this incorrectly, Alistair Overeem versus Derek Lewis? How does that whet your appetite? <laughs> That's the fight. Yeah. That's about the that? fight. And Derek Lewis like wants to I don't think he, he's he's even come out and said like he doesn't want to fight during the pandemic and stuff. He wants to wait for things to kind of clear up a little bit. And Alistair's got gonna need some time to to fix the bruises and the boo-boos, but I like it. Overeem versus Derek Lewis sounds like a lot of fun to me, but I wonder if we'll see something similar with that fight. But Derek Lewis just he he's in you can't really describe Derek Lewis. He just can, can take it, he can get beat for for 14 minutes and then come back and, and finish the fight with 10 seconds to go. He's just, he's just such a wild card. So I think, I think that's the fight to make. It'd be a good learning experience for, for Derek Lewis. No doubt about that. He's a top five guy. It'd be a good step for Alistair Overeem because he said in the post fight press conference, if you guys missed it, he's still hunting for a title. He still wants to, 
to be a world champion after all this, after all these years at 40 years old, why not? And that's a good step to, to get there. And, and for Walt Harris, I don't think it's fair to even really discuss what's next for him. He's, he's been through a lot to this point, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for sort of getting up. And he told his story a lot throughout the, the, the buildup to this fight, getting depressed, dealing with the, the alcohol and dealing with things that any of us would, would do in this situation. I'm a dad myself, and I can't even imagine what, what losing your child w- would be like for me. I don't know how I would handle it. I certainly wouldn't be getting in a fist fight with Alistair Overeem six months, seven months later, that's for sure. So he deserves a lot of a lot of credit for, for showing up and being a professional and, and giving Alistair everything he can handle. So hat goes off to Walt Harris tonight. He is a winner in my book, and I think we can all agree with that. As, as hard as it is to transition from the main event and transition from talking about Walt Harris, let's talk about the co-main event. We had a hell of a fight Ooh. between Claudia Gedalia and Great. Angela Hill. And as you already know, the big theme for this event was very close decisions that could have gone either way, and people were going to be upset no matter what. And this was certainly one of those fights, if not the fight that's at the top of everybody's list. I admittedly scored this one for Angela Hill. I'm not going to say robbery here, but in my personal opinion, this was Hill's fight. What say you, Alex Kaylee? Well, I hope that when people look back at this card, they will remember it for how incredible so much of the in-cage action was. Again, we had three fights that I think uh, in, in our sort of private channel we were talking about this is a, like a fight of the year candidate. There, there was like there was three of those tonight, and and yes, when there's controversy with decisions, sometimes that overshadows you know the the quality of the fight. But I really hope that doesn't happen here because Adelia Hill was a great fight. Um, we'll talk about some of the other fights later. Ige Barbosa and of course Song and Vera. But uh, again, like I said, I, you know I had it slightly for Hill, uh, but though, though I may have been affected by the fact that this is like the best that I've seen from from Angela Hill, and I think. I was thinking that the whole time I was watching this, I was like, man, she's really hanging in there with that, with a former, with a uh, one-time uh, UFC title challenger. She had to come back from that first round, which I think was clearly a Gadelia round. You know, Gadelia's great grappler. She, grappler, she controlled on the ground. And it turned into a striking battle. Uh, Gadelia, <clears throat> you know, we just saw in the post-fight press conference said uh, it wasn't necessarily part of the game plan, but it wasn't something that she shied away from and that she she needed to get into these kind of fights uh, you know, to to advance at this stage of her career. So uh, credit to her. She did that and she 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 came away with the win. But boy, it was a risky strategy. And uh, Angela Hill definitely almost took this one. Yeah, it was a great fight. And again, we'll plug this because it's so good. <laughs> Casey and Esther went and visited Angela Hill before she took off to Jacksonville, got a behind the scenes look at one of her last training sessions before she made the trip for the biggest fight of her career. And I thought she delivered in a big way. She opened up a lot of eyes. She proved that she belonged at the upper echelon of this division. She's been one of the more active fighters in the UFC as of late, especially in the women's division. So Casey, your thoughts overall of, of Angela Hill's performance, but we, we, let's talk about Claudia too. I mean, it was a hard fought fight for, for both of these ladies and Claudia got her hand raised. Um, yeah, I scored it for Hill. Um, and, but I completely acknowledge the, uh, the third round was, was extremely close, but I did think, um, uh, we saw, seen so many fights this weekend. Sorry, my mind's <laughs> mind's kind of blinking a bit. But um, um, yeah, I just saw Angela Hill won the fight. Uh, I thought the first round, obviously, Claudia did know what she did, what she should have done. Her her best path to victory, rather, was take take her down, control Angela on the ground. And while she did get Angela down eventually, Angela was never in any danger. She was never in any deep submissions or anything. But you still had to give that first round to uh, um, Claudia. In the second round. That that finally that power Angela Hill because when we talked to her she I asked her what 
what have you, what, what, what's been some of the advantages of, you know, this kind of quarantine training? And she's like, oh, I can just focus on my power. And she said, she's like, she's like, because she's working with her husband, um, Adam, who's also a Muay Thai instructor, a Muay Thai coach. And so she's just working on that power. And she was like, and she was very confident. It was like, I'm going to knock her out. I'm going to knock Claudia out. And um, maybe that was actually to a detriment. Maybe once she actually did drop Claudia, she kind of started headhunting a bit. Uh, I have to watch the fight again to kind of get that sense. But um, I think my big takeaway is Cla- uh, Angela Hill is, well, we know Claudia is a, is a premier strawweight a top five, top 10 fighter, no matter what, how you rank her. But now Angela Hill, to me, without a doubt, is one of the top 10 strawweights in the world. And considering where Angela Hill came from, when she came in the UFC 1-0, lost her first two fights, basically got kicked out of the UFC, had to work her way back in. You know, a lot of people, you read all the comments, oh, you know, look at her record. She lost this fight, lost this fight. The woman that fought tonight is such a better fighter than who we saw in the Tough House. And um, yeah, Angela Hill. She's um great great fight for her. Too bad she got the loss. Yeah, it was a hard fought battle. Gadelia gets another win. And like you said, Casey, I feel like she's been in this position in the Strawweight division a hundred times already yeah. at this point. <laughs> and she's fought pretty much everybody in the division. One of those females was uh, Carla Esparza, who after her win at UFC 249, she wanted the rematch with Claudia Gadelia. Gadelia returned the favor and had some not-so-kind words. <laughs> Both of them were exchanged. I believe uh, Carla Esparza said, try not to grease this time on social media. Claudia Gadelia uh, did not like that <laughs> comment very much, as she said in the post-fight press conference. Alex, do you, is this the fight? I still I still want to see Esparza versus Jan Jacek. I think that's the fight to make. But now there's oh, some heat. Like- there's some th- th- there's some smoke in the kitchen here. Do we do we build upon this and make an omelet? Yeah, no. I mean, I like the the Esparza Yachechik rematch as well. But uh, I think the logical thing here, if you're the matchmakers, you know, you don't overthink it. You go with uh, Gadelia Esparza matchup. Uh, like you said, uh, Gadelia was really fired up in the post fight press conference. She used the f word several times, uh, which was just hurting my my freaking ears, as it were. Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, anytime that kind of promotional work is already done for you, I think as a matchmaker, you've got to you've got to just circle that matchup. And again, these things fall through. We've seen it happen before. Talks fall through. Fights are booked. People get injured. So we could certainly, again, still see Esparza, Yajajic, too. Or uh, again, Cadelia, a matchup with somebody else we don't know. But I say after tonight, I'm very, very uh, interested in that Cadelia Esparza match and uh, just book it. Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if that's a fight that's booked, but. We'll see what happens. Uh, I saw etc. etc. make a comment. He agreed that there's a robbery there that Angela Hill should have should have won that fight. Um, there's some some other comments. A lot of people uh, didn't agree with that. Etc. Uh, etc.'s et comment was didn't think judges were correct on Angela Claudia, but more on the Elkins fight. Uh, and then Pac says, "Hello guys, what do you think about the fight between Marlon Vera and uh, Song Yudong, which ended up being the fight of the night?" $50,000 go to both of those guys. Uh, Pax has the question. Alex, the answers. How did you score the fight, and what did you think of it overall? I mean, that fight was awesome. You know, that fight was <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, I, I'm actually, some again, just upon the initial viewing, I kind of leaned towards uh, uh, Song. I did not think it was that bad. Any time where, I mean, Vera uh, clearly, I think, ended the fight in control for the most part. I think uh, other, other than he got shrugged off at the end and then and then uh, Song was kind of standing over him. But Vera did have a long bout of control there near the end of the third round. He was in close. I think there was some dam- doing damage on the ground. So I get it. People see how how strong Vera finished and then immediately it's like, oh, it's a robbery. It's a robbery. He, he won that. He won a big chunk of the third round. Um, but I think Song, 
I could have made an argument that he won the first two rounds. Uh, I'll have to look at the scorecards again. I think uh, I think all the only the only round that all the judges agreed on was round two, and they all gave that one to Song. Otherwise, it was it was up in the air. Uh, so. I did not think it was that bad of robbery. And again, I want to talk about how amazing the fight was as opposed to just all the controversy we saw tonight. Because, man, they, they, they stood in the pocket. They showed a little bit of everything. There was clinch work. There was grappling. They were, there was standing and trading. Um, uh, Vera's kicks looked great. Song's hands, sharp as always. It, it was a really, really great test for Song. And uh, I picked him to win by decision. And it, I said it would be a really tough fight. And I think that's exactly what happened. So no complaints about them getting the bonus. But, I mean, yeah, you could have gone with Hale Gadelia. You could gone with Barbosa Ige. Uh, Nate Landwehr, Elkins looked like it was going to be a lock uh, three fights into the night, and then we would barely remember that now. So, uh, yeah, really, really good stuff from uh, from Song and Vera. It was a great fight, and I think one of the big questions heading into that one is, what happens when that fight hits the third round? Can Song Yudong have the gas tank to, to hang with Cheeto Vera? Because Cheeto likes to come on strong in that third round and and make things happen. And I think the quote, the, the, the tweet of the night, at least from what I saw, came from Cody Stamen, who was uh, Song Yudong's last opponent. It was a split draw, which I thought Cody Stamen won that fight 100%. Ooh, but he tweeted out and said, right. Song Yudong is the, the luckiest fighter on the roster right now for getting the decision <laughs> and then getting the draw against Stamen. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, I do want to I do want to point out that Walt Harris uh, has made his first comments since the fight. He said, quote, on Instagram, first, let me thank Alistair Overeem for sharing the octagon with me tonight. You're a class act brother and a legend. Tonight wasn't my night. But you best believe I will be back better. Thank you to everyone for all your love and support. Can't say it enough. We learn and grow. Baby girl, daddy loves you. And I promise I will keep pushing hashtag forever Anaya. And I'm getting a little a little misty eyed right now just thinking about that. But uh, class act all the way for Walt Harris. Um, tough night for him, but taking it like a champion, the champion that he is. And it's a great picture up there as well. But um, let's talk about the featured fight, featured bout because. When I was talking to Aljamain Sterling in the during the preview show, I said that the fight between Danny Ige and Edson Barboza, I had the same feeling with the Alexander Hernandez Drew Dober fight. Oh, it was real, like real, the main event. Oh, about Vera um, and Song. Um, oh, sure, jump in. I just want to say, and I've been a big proponent of this. I just hope the UFC starts doing this more often during these pandemic times. Have guys fight one weight class up. Yeah. This was a people don't. If you watch that fight, were you going, Oh, these are two fat bantamweights? No, they look like bantamweights, and we just let them, we let these bantamweights fight at a more healthier weight. Now, if you don't know, they both, um, they both fought at featherweight, so they weighed in 10 pounds of other normal weight class, which means they can just more train smarter, train more safely, and don't have this unnecessary weight cut during these unique times. When everything gets back to normal, okay, everyone goes back to 35, and that's a that's another issue about weight cutting. But right now, um, have these guys move up. That's all. That's I just I, I and we got a great fight because of it. You know, we they didn't have to wear themselves out. They could actually put leave it all out there in the cage rather than the sauna. I think science and uh, and math and numbers are on your side, Casey, because both fight of the nights in the last two cards yeah. were bantamweights fights that went up to featherweight. Kelleher and Azure. Featherweight fight. Both these guys are bantamweights, and then the same thing tonight. So you might be onto something here. Uh, let's not forget. We also had uh, technically we kind of had you know Cerrone and Pettis, who I mean they bounced between lightweight and welterweight, and two forty nine, and they they went up to uh, they fought at the more comfortable weight of one seventy on uh, on last Saturday. Uh, I, and there, I was pointing out some parallels on Friday, and it kind of they all kind of stuck with it. So there was the the people there each card 
had uh, fighters competing in uh, a fight with guys competing at a higher weight class. Uh, each card uh, lost one fight uh, before the before the fight uh, came down, before the card came around. And each fight also had a main event that was uh, this did, wasn't quite in the tune of the last two we saw. But as far as like how much damage was done and like how I guess I don't say uncomfortable at times it became it became to watch uh, all three main events this week had that as well. So some kind of eerie parallels uh, going on this week. So for people out there who love the rule of threes, I mean, you certainly <laughs> had that to, to look out this week. There you go. We had at least three robberies, so to speak, if you look at, at Twitter. And yeah. one of those robberies would be Edson Barboza versus Danny Gay. And we talked about it on the other show that if you look at MMA decisions, which is where media members score the fight, pretty much everybody had scored the fight for Barboza, except for Drake Riggs and then <laughs> his his friend Drake Riggs, who both scored it for uh, <laughs> for Danny Gay. And Danny Gay sense. gets the win. He continues his the surge in a very interesting 145-pound division. I, we're not going to get into the scores. So I feel like we could do this the whole time, yeah. but you know, Danny Gay gets a big win. He's moving up to, uh, to to bigger and better things at this point. So Casey, we'll start with you here. Let's just get right into the matchmaker role. Ooh. Danny Gay has been surging. He's streaking. 45 has become one of the most interesting divisions in the UFC right now. Where do we go from here, especially in a fight this close? I say everyone, if you want, if you, I actually like his call out. He called out Jeremy Stevens, who was coming off a loss, but it was a, it was, it was a competitive fight versus Calvin Cater. And um, Stevens is obviously uh, almost a, a legendary UFC fighter now. And in the sense that if Dan Ige wants to be known as a guy that can win the title, you got to beat Jeremy Stevens. So to me, if Stevens can, if Stevens is healthy, you know, once he gets stitched up, three or four months. Stevens versus Ige. It's a, and, That's my, and I think and names pick, and though. names matter. I think at this point names are more important than rankings. I mean, sorry, names name is more important than Ige fighting maybe someone ranked above Stevens. So um, I think that's for the fan name name value wise. I mean, even tonight, um, I I realize I've watched Dan Ige probably fight. I think I've seen him fight five times, and I knew he was good. But then I kind of was thinking about fighting. I was like, I don't really know any. I don't know how he fights. But because he was fighting a name like Barboza, I was paying more attention. Now, for some reason, I'm like, oh, Dan Niga is really good, even though he was just as good yesterday or his last fight. So um, names are important. So Ige versus Stevens, to me, is a smart fight for Dan Ige to make. I would agree. I think that's a fight to make. But let's give let's give some credit, Alex, to Edson Barboza, because we're talking about, especially in these times, we want to see fighters move up maybe a weight class. Edson Barboza, Edson Barboza moves down a weight class to featherweight. We were wondering what he was going to look like on the scale. He looked pretty darn good on the scale, and he looked pretty darn good in this fight as well. He looked explosive. He didn't seem to run out of gas at all, and uh, a lot of people felt that he won this fight. So I think, you know, it, it, the the big thing for me was like, wow, why didn't he make this? Why didn't he make this move sooner? That was like my initial thought after watching the first two rounds of this fight. Unfortunately, it didn't go his way, and he's lost six out of his last seven. So he's he's kind of in a rough skid right now. But what did you think of Edson Barboza? dropping down to 45, how he looked on the scales and ultimately how he looked in the octagon tonight. Man, he looked good. Uh, he looked, he looked real good in there. You know, uh, again, much like his countryman, uh, Jose Aldo, some skepticism about the weight cut, but he made it. And then when he stepped in the cage, it looked great. And again, arguably won a controversial decision. So kind of, kind of a, some, some parallels there as well. Uh, yeah, he, he, he looked outstanding. Um, I, but I like what you guys were saying about Ige. Uh, I like what Casey was saying that we kind of saw, 
I don't know if we saw a new side of him, but we just saw the best version of him and could really appreciate it because he was fighting Barbosa. I, I have a rule, which I wrote about in the productions, that it's an Edson Barbosa rule. It's just any fight that I expect to be a stand-up battle, if Barbosa's in it, I'm always going to pick Barbosa. The the only the only fighter I broke that rule for was it was Justin Gaethje and and justifiably so because uh, Gaethje's insane and Gaethje won that fight. But otherwise, I'm always going to pick Barbosa again. I, I know he lost to Felder. I know he lost. You know he's lost against uh, stand-up fighters before, but rarely. And uh, and even again the Felder fight that was controversial as well. The last fight and and we have a story up in MMA fighting now about uh, how much like the Felder fight uh, we could. It sounds like his management uh, wants to file an appeal for this loss. So. I have to give so much credit to Ige because just standing with Barbosa is is insane. The guy is so good. And, and I wonder uh, if the judges were swayed by the fact that Ige was uh, moving forward for a lot of the fight. Uh, you know, maybe this is the, uh, the other rule that we, that we see sometimes, the Diego Sanchez rule, where just by coming forward, he seems to be scoring points on the judges' cards. So he was coming forward a lot, mm-hmm. throwing haymakers, just throwing big shots. The judges love to see that. Um, I, I definitely would have leaned towards Barbosa on the scorecards. But uh, but Ige looked good. And, uh, yeah, he looks like he deserves a top 10 guy next. Why, why not Calvin Cater? Uh, guy, explain to me. Why not the guy who beat Jeremy Stevens? You guys keep saying Jeremy. Why not Kate, Calvin Cater? That's a big leap for a guy that's like – I think Ige was number 14 heading into this fight. That's, that, mm-hmm. that's a big jump. I'd be surprised if Cater accepts that fight. It seems um, – uh, it's more it, – it, I'm just talking more about it's like realistically. I just don't think Cater needs the Ige fight. I don't think it does anything for him. Right, right. And I think Cater is on a that's a pretty spectacular knockout. So I think um, I don't think it, that, that fight can happen, but I just don't think it's necessary at this time. Yeah, I just think featherweight's in a much different spot than it was two years ago. Like two years ago, you make that fight, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys ranked ahead of him, and you know, depending on how much stock you want to put into these rankings, but. I think Calvin Cater deserves a top five fight right now, and it's not just because I'm a, a fellow Massachusetts guy. I think he's going to earn that. So it's uh, funny. What do we got here? Oh. It's funny. They're, they're, it's funny. They're both chasing big fights, uh, just not each other. You know, that's, they, Jeff. They don't, they Jeff Atwood, dude. <laughs> does anyone think open scoring needs to happen in combat sports? And boxing judges should not be judging MMA fights. So well. let's talk about let's talk about the open scoring because I saw this brought up a couple of different times tonight, especially with these shows being the way they are the times that we're in seems like an interesting time to to introduce open scoring and and things of that nature uh and i know invicta did it for one of their cards and and i kind of liked it you know especially some teams can use it how they want they can tell their fighters everything and some choose chose not to use it at all and even implement it so uh casey we'll start with you here thoughts on open scoring all around mma right now I um I absolutely love open scoring and I want to see it. I I I understand the the arguments were like, well, it it takes away from the drama when they raise the hand at the end, you know. But I'm like, BS. It makes drama every single round. Every time a round ends, you're like, it's drama. So I just don't buy the whole drama thing as far as and it's just like it just makes it a better sport. I mean, in rest in actually wrestling jujitsu tournaments, you know the score. You, you know the score has your has your has your um, has your competing, and uh, I don't think it's any different. And um, and I just I just think it's smarter. I just think it's it's a better sport if you know the score of the dang fight. This would be like the perfect card to have open yeah, scoring. Yeah, I just I, just think just thinking about how these these guys and gals stood heading into the third round. I mean, there's so many fights where open scoring would have been super fascinating heading into it. What do you think, Alex? You know, open scoring, are, are we ready to, to to spread our wings here with open scoring a little bit further than, than Kansas City? 
I have long been an opponent of open scoring, actually. Uh, though, 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 again, I, I'm, I also never want to be the person to say that we shouldn't try new things because if it's a bad idea, I don't think it's the kind of bad idea that shouldn't be at least given a shot. Like, I don't, I don't think it's the sort of thing that if it happens, it's like, oh my gosh, why'd we do that? Like this ruined, blah blah. No, I think it's worth trying. I, I so I liked seeing it at that Invicta uh, Phoenix series show. Uh, I thought it was, and I liked the way they did it. So I'm still against it. I'm not a fan, but I'm not a fan of trying it. Uh, I, I don't know what you guys are going on about tonight, though. Like, what would that have changed tonight? Like, every fight was like all these close fights were just were barn burners from beginning to end. Like, I don't know if anyone could have fought harder uh, in these fights. Maybe it's not, Barbosa. It's not even about fighting harder. It's just about knowing the score. That's all. Like, what? you just want to know the score coming into the round. It's not about well, why. Well, how would that have affected the? Like, why would that have changed anything tonight? Do you like watching basketball games and just guessing what the final score is? Totally different, totally different right, situation. It's, it's not completely. You fight completely as, different. This is, a, this, is a, this is a bigger debate. No, 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 you, no. 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 This is for another show. This is for another show. Any, any, any other show, any other team sport with like a scoring component is not the same as MMA. The scoring, the scoring range is so much wider. Uh, the, 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 the way blowouts are handled are handled so differently than a, than a quote unquote blowout in MMA. It's not, it's apples and oranges. You just can't, you it can't is them. not apples and oranges. It's like, it it's like maybe apples red and delicious apples and Fuji apples, different, maybe different, different they're brand not. of apples, but they're still apples. I don't, I don't compare MMA to any other sport in general and definitely not the scoring system. So, uh, no, I, I, no, I don't I think, think I think, I think what we're, we're both kind of <laughs> implying here is sort of the fan experience watching these fights as opposed to the fighters themselves. Can you imagine how, how interesting Twitter would have been all night if we had open scoring looking at all these rounds and how interesting the, even the commentary would have been looking at the scores and how things have gone. So I think from a fan perspective, would have made things interesting? Would it have changed the results and, and how the fighters actually competed? Probably not because of it, just because of the fights that they happened and they were so competitive anyways, I don't think it would have changed a thing, but just sort of the viewer experience, the interaction overall would, uh, would have made a little bit of a difference. I take, I take the only kind of maybe eh, fight of the night was because of, of a great card. The only whatever fight was um, Jaco versus Anders. If Anders goes in that third round, knowing he's down two rounds, and his coaches look at the go, you're down two rounds. You ain't gonna win this by wrestling. You gotta throw haymakers. You gotta throw bungalows. You gotta go crazy out there. It's a different fight. So, but you, but you don't think he could tell that though? You don't think he could tell that he was down after the first two rounds? I saw almost so that, everyone on right. No, like, dude. When Max Holloway <laughs> fought Volkanovski, uh -huh. I had every round scored. I had every round for Volkanovski. A lot of people had four one five one for Volkanovski. When Max yeah. Holloway walked out for that fifth round, he thought he was winning the fight. His coaches thought mm -hmm. he was winning the fight. It changed. We could do this. Yeah, we got to talk. We, we, we have oh, a great card. I, 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 I shouldn't have brought that question up. Now, no, it's, now, AK, oh, sorry, AK, yeah, you're, you're going mute. Someone else, <laughs> one of our lovely fans brought it up. You didn't bring it up. One of our lovely readers uh, brought it up. <laughs> readers slash viewers brought it up. So it's, 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 it's a discussion worth having, and I'm not against trying it. I just don't think it would have made much of a difference tonight. Um, there's certainly fights where it would, would, would make a difference. And again, I also think it can have a negative effect on fights. So, um, cause again, imagine if, like you said, Anders knows he has to go crazy and Jocko knows he's definitely up to oh, and he just cruises, right? That's the fear of, of any fight, right? Is, is okay. Well now I know I don't have to take a risk. Where does this come from though? You think, so, so all these guys are like these big warriors now, all of a sudden, like, oh, I, I'm going to, I got better play it safe now. If Jocko knows, never, if Jocko's, oh, if Jocko, oh, we've never, so you're saying, so you're saying Jocko, so you're saying Jocko knew, knew he was up two rounds. Even though there wasn't a score, and he—that's ridiculous. That's, just, that's not ridiculous. We've seen we've seen fighters who are caught. 
you 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 are saying yourself that fighters uh, think that if they think they're up, they're going to fight a different way. You just said Anders did that tonight. You said Anders maybe didn't know. So if you knew for sure, you so, probably would. But fight if he a thinks he's, if he thinks it's one one or he thinks it's close, <laughs> next next fight, man. I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. Oh, right I can now. believe it. I've talked to Casey enough. I can believe. It. I knew this was going to happen. Uh, you knew as soon as the question got pulled up. So then here's the newcomer. I have no idea what the hell I'm walking up. This is and this is where we're at. So, um, Christoph Jaco, Christoph third third straight win. That's a big win for him. Eric Anders is a name. Uh, he he loses. He goes back to the to the losers bracket. Song Yudong gets the win over Marlon Vera. Gets 50k. Miguel Baeza. What a win for him over Matt Brown. That fight was. Friggin' crazy! Both guys are hurt. Uh, Baez had just proved that this guy is is no joke. The eight no record. You know, th- this is one of those fights. Like when I saw this book, this is going to be a fight that win, lose, or draw. Miguel Baez is going to take something away from this one, and he's going to grow from it. And man, what a win for him! Matt Brown, such a warrior, got dropped. Then he dropped him, and then the second round, Baez just came out, and and it didn't take long. The left hook finished the fight. Alex, we'll start with you, contender series vet. 2-0 in the UFC, two big finishes. Your thoughts on Miguel Baez's performance and the future of him at 170 pounds in the UFC. Man, he looked – look, I had no idea. Like, I mean, I've seen Miguel Baez a fight before. I saw the Contender Series fight. I saw the fight against Hector Aldana. But, I mean, Contender Series, it's really hard to kind of translate how some of there is going to do on, uh, on the once they get to the big show. Hector Aldana is, with respect to him, one of the least successful uh, welterweights that the UFC has signed, I think, in the last, like, decade. I don't know. I think – I don't think he's – I don't know if I remember if he won a fight. He may have won his first fight. I can't remember. But I believe he was out of the UFC after uh, losing to Baez. So to go from Aldana – to Matt Brown is like crazy to me. I, I know, I know age matters. I know, you know, younger fighters are getting perceived as having an advantage, but the level of opponent from Hector Aldana to Matt Brown, I it's, it's just, I, again, I wish there was a way to quantify it, but it's just enormous. So I thought too much too soon. I was kind of like what you're thinking, you know what? Well, he'll get a good experience out of it, but he had, I mean, he took, and this was not an easy win. People are going to see, Oh, second round knockout. Uh, early in the second round, but, but it was not an easy win. Matt Brown came at him in classic Matt Brown fashion, and he hurt him. You know, I mean, they, these guys were stinging each other; they, they were messing each other up. And then came out in the second round, not shook at all, lands that huge, huge. Uh, well, I think it was a left hand, and uh, and just uh, ends the fight from there. So, wow, what does it mean for the future, man? I, again, I don't know how, how you match make this guy because, like I said, he went from one of the worst welterweights to one of the uh, you know most veteran welterweights. So it could be anywhere in the middle for him next. I have no clue. Yeah, a lot to be excited about with that guy. He improves to 9-0. Matt Brown, such a warrior. He says he's coming back, so good for him. No one's going to want to miss a Matt Brown fight. No one ever ever would want to, and I don't think anyone's going to do so now. But uh, kind of looking down the rest of the card, Kevin Holland, what a fantastic win case. Let's talk about this. Minute 39, Anthony Hernandez, when you looked at this fight card on paper, uh, when you looked at the fight card on paper and you looked at this particular fight, you were like, man, this is the definition of a coin flip. And I think the odds had it that way, too. It's a co- pretty much a complete pick between these two guys, two guys who like to finish, two guys who are looking to, to live up to the potential they had heading into the UFC. We're waiting for that Kevin Holland breakout moment. And we finally got it here tonight. Your thoughts on the trailblazer tonight in Jacksonville? Oh, I think Kevin Holland is very good. I think is a really high level talent that people maybe uh, kind of dismiss for his big personality and his goofy antics. And since you know his big personality, which I think is awesome, um, but um, yeah, I actually expected this to be kind of a, a, a breakout performance a bit for Holland, and um, I didn't think it would end like that. That has quickly. But um, no, great, great performance by Holland. He implied that he's moving down to welterweight, right? 
the fight. He's called on Mickey Gall. Yeah, so he, mm-hmm. he came he came in under like he came in like a one eighty two, so well under the middleweight limit. So he says he can make welterweight, and if he wants to fight Mickey Gall, heck, man, why not? That seems pretty cool. I'm down with it. Uh, I don't know if he can make welterweight. That seems kind of crazy, but go for it, man. He wants to fight in two weeks, and he seems <laughs> to think that that's going to happen. Well, and, uh, if he didn't, if he didn't have a big weight cut, if this weight cut, if, if, if he really was fighting at his kind of walking weight, it's, I mean, which is very impressive to fight your walking weight, weigh in and fight at that same weight. Yeah, if he can do it, and if the UFC knows something we don't know, he knows something we don't know, then heck. I don't know if Mickey Gall takes it, though. He's kind of, he's kind of, I don't know, he likes fighting like, I don't know, weird, like, I don't know, like. I don't know what it, huh? names, Mickey, names, names, names yeah. Names with names, yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe it's time for Mickey, someone to make a name off of Mickey Go, and they may, maybe Kevin Holland wants to be that person. Yeah, well, I know I Mickey mean, was actually scheduled. He, he accepted to fight on tonight's card against Phil Rowe, but uh, that fight didn't materialize. So oh. that was in the works. That was being discussed. Reports had come out. Um, it turns out that that wasn't the case. But I know Mickey Gall did say yes to that fight. Um, it just didn't happen tonight. So. Holland could be an option. Could see uh, it. So yeah, go. I mean, look, Holland said he's fought at welterweight before. He's done. He's done a few oh, times yes? before okay. his UFC days. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's tall. He's six foot yeah. three. Like he's a he's a big guy. To not look like a small guy. But I'd imagine he'd have he'd have kind of a, a Ben Saunders. Uh, he, his body type reminds me a little bit of Ben Saunders. So I can see it. I think it's about the same height as Ben, and the, the body definitely reminds me of that. So it's possible. And like you said, if he's walking around close to like 182 because he he weighed in so much under the limit, uh, the middleweight limit. Yeah, and, and it's in two weeks. Yeah, maybe it can be done. Um, uh, this guy has always proved me wrong. I, I don't know what it is. I can't pick a Kevin Holland fight right. Uh, and and if anything, you know, he didn't get a bonus for a friggin' 39-second finish. He should have gotten a bonus for his interview because he had a great <laughs> post-fight interview. We mentioned the Mickey Gall call-out. He was really well done. Uh, he was joking with Paul Felder. Why did I finish the fight so quickly? I didn't want to turn to a wrestling match because he couldn't get the he couldn't get that Daniel Cormier advice on the side that some of the other <laughs> fighters uh, had been getting earlier this week. It was well noted that a lot of fighters said, "Yeah, I could hear Daniel Cormier," and I was listening to his pointers and his commentary in the fight and, and adapting from there. So he didn't have that option. He made a nice joke about that. It really made the most of his mic time. So uh, Kevin Holland, you know, if he can start just getting more consistent with these results, this guy is really really could be something at 185 or 170. Yeah, his post-fight presser was really good, too, so I go back and check that out. He had uh, some not-so-kind things to say about Marvin Vittori. Uh, dropped some words that I'm not going to say here because my, my wife might watch this. So I don't want to get mad at me. Uh, but big win for Kevin Holland. That was huge. And from all indications, he may be back sooner rather than later. Uh, Giga Chikadze gets a win over newcomer Erwin Rivera. Props to Erwin Rivera for, for taking that fight on less than 48 hours' notice. Uh, but Giga gets a win. He called out Edson Barboza afterwards. Like that. Call out uh, quite a bit. Nate Landwehr had like everybody calling him out after his win over Darren Elkins. That was a, a bloody fun fight to watch. But Nate Landwehr gets his first win in the UFC. Courtney Casey, the other performance of the, of the night bonus winner, gets a first round submission over Mara Romero Barella in her UFC flyweight debut at 125 pounds. She's fought in strawweight. She has fought at 25 before. It's the first time in like seven years that she did that. Uh, gets the armbar. Uh, Mara Romero Barella just is on a, on a tough little schneid right now, a little skid. Uh, so who knows what her future looks like at this point. I think that's the third one she's lost in a row. Uh, and then Rodrigo Nascimento with a second-round submission win over Dontel Mays to pick up a win in his UFC debut. So hell of a card, some finishes, really some fun fights. Um, so let's put a bow on this and the entire week, some superlatives. <sighs> Start with you, Alex Kaylee. What was your favorite fight 
of this entire process of these three nights overall when you look at it from top to bottom x's yeah. and o's everything you look for in a fight what was your favorite fight of this week Gosh, uh, I mean, if I'm just uh, recency bias for sure, but I really did enjoy the song Vera fight. It was it was everything we thought. Like I said, it was everything we thought it would be this young, hungry guy, uh, you know, getting this huge test in Marlon Vera. Two guys who are fight finishers, um, though. I, I did have a feeling it would go the distance because they're both they're both so uh, so well matched. Uh, we got that that third round Marlon Vera surge, which we knew would come. And uh, Son did enough to get the win. So, again, probably recency bias. We had so many great fights this week. All three events, I think, were I would I would label as good if we're just using a binary system of good or bad. All three events were good. UFC 249, so much drama, retirements, controversy, big knockouts, and then uh, the fight nights that followed uh, certainly did not pale as far as at least on the action side of things. So, uh, you know, we said it earlier. I think we said the at the last card. You know, cr so much credit to the UFC staff uh, for for the work they put in. Uh, again, I know there's I know people say, oh, we're in the media. We question the event going down. And, and for sure. And, and there's still look, there's still questions to be asked and uh, still questions that need to be answered over the coming weeks. But as far as just what happened this week and how did these events go down, it, it really did look like the UFC did a great job. Safety protocols could have been more consistent. But as far as the actual operations and just getting back to business, um, things look great. And I'm sure there's a lot of happy fans out there. I agree. So we got Alex's uh, fight of the week. Casey performance of the week. Who was the. Uh, the gold medalist, so to speak, for the best performance of this eight-day stretch. The human highlight reel, Justin Gaethje. Oh. He, uh, it, the week still belongs to him. It, it still belongs to him. Um, I feel bad for. I mean, uh, obviously, Cejudo news is big. For me personally, the crew, um, the cruise stoppage, uh, put a little eh, on that. You just, you just, you want to see a real finish and. It, it takes it takes uh, it takes away a little I don't know a little momentum from um, Cejudo because there's, there's a bit of a uh, what do you call it just a it's just there um, but yeah I think it's, just, it's still Justin Gaethje's weekend weekend yeah it's still uh, everything was set up for this card that card these were kind of just extra fights for fun not for fun but um, the UFC need to get these fights because they uh, they owe a lot of fighters who just lost fights so um, yeah but when I think of this whole week I just think Justin Gaethje's performance. Yeah, and I think the other the other winner was Dana White's orange shirt tonight. That thing was bright and ready to go. It was very Floridian of him uh, to to pull that off. So, and, you know. and, and I just want to say too, um, what Alex said is like, man, I just want to give the biggest uh, high five, social distance high five, <laughs> to um, all the um, UFC staff, PR, cage crew, sound crew, the fight relations people, the people who kind of. Pick up fight the pick up fighters at the airport. Put, no, show them the hotel. Show them how everything works. Um, PR, sound crew, uh, the, the medic, the medical crew, um, all the media. They just had to spend an entire week at in Jacksonville, away from their home, away from their families, socially distanced in a hotel with only one restaurant and with very strict health um, safety protocols. And it's just that's just a tough that's just a tough time, you know, and to be there for an entire week, more than a week, because, of course, you got there much longer than a week. Actually, you got there three or four days before actually 249. Um, so uh, I remember coming. I mean, when these events got events, events got announced, I was like, you know, I want to go to this. It sounds kind of cool, you know. But then I'm like, whew, that would have sucked, you know, <laughs> to, to be there. But um, just a big high five. And thank you to all the hardworking UFC staff who. Um, did this and put it together and for our purposes at home get to watch watching the fights look pretty flawless so yeah 
Yeah. And shout out to the fighters as well. Sorry, I mean, I know it seems obvious, but uh, we, 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 you know, of course, all the credit to the, to the unsung heroes of the UFC crew and everything, but the fighters themselves and their teams for for coming out for this. I know a lot of them wanted to do it. Again, a return to normalcy, quote unquote, whatever you want to call it, or again, just making sure that they get they get paid. Um, but they, again, everyone left it out there. There were just some incredible fights this week. Just and great fights. Media. Just great yeah. fights. Yeah, it really well. And, all, and all, the, all the other obligations that they had to do, you know, uh, during fight weeks. So, uh, definitely staff, fighters, everyone, uh, hats, you know, hats off to you for sure. Agreed. Hats off to our own Jose Youngs as well. Spent nine, almost 10 days out in Jacksonville. He's excited to head back home tomorrow. Uh, so, big shout out to him. And uh, big shout out to all of you guys because this is content galore that you guys have been dealing with uh from beginning to end and you know like alex said on the last post fight show mma being back means chaos is back and nothing ever goes as as we planned it out and you know things have been we've just been kind of flying from the seat of our pants a few different times during during this process and you guys have stuck with us and watched and listened to the content and read stuff on the site and just kept getting fired up for these events and we can't thank you enough for that and now we get a little bit of a reprieve. We get a week off and then back at it again on, on May 30th, location TBD, maybe Vegas, maybe Arizona, Arizona, as Dana White said, but we'll see what happens there. But it looks like Gilbert Burns versus Tyron Woodley will be headlining that event. That's going to be a really interesting fight at 170 pounds, and I think this uh, this card's going to start building up. We're going to see more and more fights get announced for that card as well. So that's it. That is going to do it. So many post-fight shows, so many preview shows, and uh, and that is that. So for Casey... For Alex, I am Mike Heck. Thank you all for a crazy week. And we'll see you on MMAfighting.com, on this page, and whatever else is going on. I'm sure you'll be there. So thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Oh, and one more. Oh. Air horn. Yes. Needed yes, it. we needed that. We needed that. <laughs> Good night. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.